Hello everyone, this is Ivan Ottinger from EnglishTheSmartWay.com. Welcome to the English The Smart Way podcast, session number four. Last time we could hear the English success story of my very good friend Massimo. Today we have another special guest to our show. His name is Jeremy Kemp, the owner of Moxon English School. Jeremy, originally from London, teaches English online. He uses non-traditional teaching methods, which he summarized in his newly released book. The book's title is Keep Calm and Learn English. So I'm really happy that you are joining me today. Let's enjoy the conversation and learn from the experience of Jeremy. Here we go. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to welcome our today's guest, uh, Jeremy Kemp, to our podcast. Thank you very much for accepting the invitation, Jeremy, and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure, a pleasure to be here. Tell us something more about you so our listeners can uh, know you better. Sure. So, um, well, my name is Jeremy and I'm originally from London um, in the UK, although I chose to, to study in Scotland, in Edinburgh. I studied um, psychology mm-hmm. in Edinburgh University. To cut a long story uh, short, I spent some time in, in Italy mm-hmm. and I started teaching English really as a way to earn some money to pay for my studies. I was still studying at the time, but I discovered I really loved it. I really found my passion in teaching and that was really the beginning of a long journey of trying to help people to learn English. Yeah, and uh, when you started teaching English? Was there anyone who asked you to, you know, could you please help me with English or how did you get to the, you know, the teaching? Sure, sure. So I started teaching in a traditional language school, a local language school in uh, Padua, where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching very traditional business English to groups of maybe five to 15 people. But I quickly saw that the traditional methods that we were being asked to use weren't really working. I had the sensation that people enjoyed the lessons, people thought the Mm -hmm. lessons were fun, but there wasn't um, real progress and real learning uh, on behalf of the the students. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what do you think was the biggest issue with this traditional way of teaching? There were quite a few things. One of the big ones was maybe the number of people in the, in the groups made it very difficult to give everyone a chance to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, of course, we had conversation, we encouraged participation, but when you have 10 people, 12 people, 15 people in a class, it's very difficult to give everyone that opportunity to speak. Mm-hmm. A- another big reason is when you have mixed abilities in a mixed class, you have people... Uh, traveling at different speeds Mm -hmm. and so some people are traveling too fast, some people are traveling too slow and lots of people were either confused or quite frankly bored Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of this uh, difficulty mismatch. Yeah, Uh, I I believe that many many listeners can relate to this uh, because uh, me too, I also studied in a traditional way uh, most of the mm-hmm. time I was uh, at the university and, well, it was just how you described it. Another big reason, um, if I can, 
is that the course books that we, we, we used in, these, in this school were very much focused on written grammar exercises. Mm -hmm. And so for homework or during the class, students had to um, maybe complete 10, 20, 30 exercises on a particular grammar theme. And they would do okay, they'd get some wrong, they'd get some right. But what was missing was the chance to really apply those grammatical rules speaking. Mm -hmm. you know? There was lots of theory, but really there was never the jump to practice and to application and to communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. So uh, after your experience with this uh, system, you, mm. you decided to do something else, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And so what I did was I, I borrowed. I borrowed a little bit from my, um, my psychology training, my university training. Mm -hmm. And I borrowed a little bit from my work with children with autism, mm -hmm. okay, children with social skills deficits. And the result was a method that uh, really emphasized the practical skill, mm -hmm. so going straight to talking. It emphasized the use of pictures and photos and images in order to um, facilitate the formation of memory, um, the memorization of vocabulary, and also a big thing to really try to give these students confidence. So give them lots of little successes to really increase mm -hmm. their positive feelings about the language. Because another thing I saw was that People were frustrated, they were upset, they were anxious that their progress wasn't as, as fast as, as they would have liked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, after all of this experience you have had in, uh, in, in teaching English so far, uh, mm. is there any, some technique or you know, something you think can help the English learners the most in their learning? Yeah. I think there's no magic bullet. I think there's no one single thing that will help you to learn learn English. I think there are lots of ingredients, and you've got to have a good measure of each of those ingredients to to successfully learn English. But certainly, the element of speaking is very, very important. Okay? And this doesn't just mean informal conversation, but this is important as well. Okay. But it also means, quite frankly, um, verbal exercises, repetition, reading aloud, pronunciation practice, all of these things together. Shadow reading, so you're maybe mm -hmm. um, uh, listening to an audiobook, for example, and reading out loud along with it. All of these verbal exercises, I think, are very, very important. And often they're neglected. Often people tend to hide behind the grammar book, hide behind the iPhone app even, mm -hmm. without speaking, without moving their lips and, <laughs> and engaging in that verbal, verbal behavior of speaking. Mm -hmm. Using the language in the most practical way that is speaking. Absolutely. You know, um, to, to, to put it the, the, the other way, people are too silent in their studies. People spend too long in the quiet of their bedrooms or, or their classrooms, mm -hmm. not making a sound, okay? Whereas 
if you want to learn, and if you really want to learn in a deep way and a meaningful way, you have to speak, you have to verbalize those concepts and verbalize um, those words. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that many people uh, have problems with confidence in, in speaking. Mm -hmm. Have you found a solution or I don't know uh, how to say, mm -hmm. or some technique to help people get more confident in speaking? Because I myself, sure, I, sure. Had, I had problems with, uh, you know, starting speaking, starting conversation and, you know, uh, I was afraid of making mistakes when speaking and so on and so sure, on. Sure, sure. It's not easy, but I think the first step is to acknowledge it. You know? You've got to be open with students and, and let them know that it's normal. Because I think often students think they're the only ones who are the anxious, the only ones who find it hard, and they think that everyone else is fine and is learning quickly. Whereas actually, most adults who, who learn English feel that anxiety, feel that lack of confidence when they're, when they're speaking. And after acknowledging it, I think it's important to learn to accept it a little bit, to learn to live with it and say, okay, I can improve and the anxiety will reduce, but it's going to be with me. It's going to be a, maybe not a friend, but a, um, a fellow traveler, let's say, in the journey of, of, of the, of the uh, English learning uh, trip, let's say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And uh, so now you teach people English, English speaking, uh, how do you teach? So I, I try to do two things. So um, on, on my website, moxandenglish.com, we have lots of advice and articles uh, and guides to help people, maybe in the first steps when they're still on their own, they're still trying to make the first progress. We also provide English lessons on Skype. So these are individual one-to-one -one lessons. And so you can learn from anywhere in, in the world. And obviously we, we offer flexible timetables as well for, for these students. Yeah. All of the teaching is oh, online. So I work now with a team of, of teachers. I work with mm -hmm. 15 teachers who work to apply our method, that we call it the mm -hmm. Moxon method, which is the name of the school. And again, it's a method which really tries to encourage speaking, and confidence and the sort of fluidity that often learners aren't able to develop it on, on, on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this leads me to another question because I, I know that uh, several weeks uh, ago you published your new book and mm -hmm, uh, yeah. yeah if you could tell us something more about this book and you know why did you decide to write this book and what's the book about? Sure, sure. So this is a book that was written for the Italian market because most of my students are, are Italian and most of our um, web users are Italian, although we also have a website in, in English. So the title of the book in English is Keep Calm and Learn English. And really in this book, in 10 chapters, I explain the, the Moxon method. So I explain how um, you can learn English speaking in a, in a structured way at first, and then slowly, slowly in a more natural and, and fluent way. Um, so there are lots of things in there. We talk about how you can use television and film, how you can use reading, how you can uh, increase your uh, vocabulary, um, always using these 
non-traditional methods which which really focus on on uh, on speaking and, and memorization yeah so I don't know if you want me to talk more about more about the book or more about some of the ideas uh, yeah I, yeah uh, if you if you could it would be great uh, maybe to share some um, uh, well the book is uh, you know it contains many ideas but maybe maybe sure, a few sure. of them. Uh, I'll give you some more some more details about about what we talk about in in the book. So as I say, unfortunately at the moment it's only available in uh, in Italian, but hopefully in the future we'll be able to publish it in in English as as well. Mm-hmm. And there are two main sections. So one is all about practice, mm-hmm. okay? and the other is about immersion. Mm-hmm. So you can think of it as a, a football analogy. So you have your training where you train with your teammates, it's very practical still, okay? There might be some theoretical foundations, but still your training is very practical, but it's structured. So you might kick the ball the same time in 10 ways, or try a a particular formation with your teammates, okay? The second half is immersion, and that's a bit like the football game, okay? Where you're actually on the pitch and you're trying to beat the other team, okay? And that's a bit like, speaking in real-world uh, situations. So let's talk first, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you first about the practice part, the training part, mm-hmm. okay? So for example, reading is a perfect training activity. But in the book I argue that reading shouldn't be silent, it should be spoken. So I strongly uh, encourage my, my readers, and I, I'd encourage your listeners as well, to use reading with listening and with speaking. And actually, it's far better um, if they can listen first to a track or to a book, for example, or an article, and only later um, read. Mm -hmm. Because what happens um, when you read sometimes is that there's what I call pronunciation contamination, okay? (laughs) In other words, you read the English word, which has a strange spelling, and in your mind, you pronounce it in a particular way, mm-hmm. but it maybe isn't the correct way. And that incorrect version becomes reinforces, uh, reinforced. Rather, when you listen for the first time okay, mm-hmm. to the correct pronunciation, it is that version that is reinforced. Okay? So in a practical way, what you can do is you can buy an audiobook, okay? Yeah. Either by buying the CD online or there are services like Audible, which mm-hmm. is the Amazon service. And you can buy the, the physical book, so the traditional book, either in an ebook um, format or actually the paperback or hardback. And using these two instruments together, you can really get the most out of reading. Really transform what unfortunately is often a silent and I think fruitless um, ineffective approach into something that can really boost your your confidence your pronunciation etc etc I totally agree with what you said because Mm. uh, when I was reading um, several books I picked up some new words and I thought I know how to pronounce them but uh, when I tried to speak to someone and I used these words I just learned from the book, 
no one could understand me because I pronounced the words in completely wrong way. Sure, sure. It's a very common problem. I'll give you another example of this, these training activities. So another training activity could be with television and maybe for advanced learners' films. So often, students will simply watch television passively. They sit down, they turn on the television, maybe they turn on the subtitles and, uh, and they listen. What I really advise your, your listeners to do is to turn it into an active activity, mm -hmm. okay? And this means adding some verbal production, some speaking, okay? Mm -hmm. And you can do this in lots of fun ways. So, um, for example, one way is to pause the television program mm -hmm. and simply repeat the last phrase or two that you've heard. Again, this is a way of transforming a passive um, receptive viewing of the television program into something which is more active and expressive as well. Or another thing you could do is listen to a scene a couple of times mm -hmm. and then take on the part of a character and say out loud the lines that the actor would be saying. You can do it with the audio or without the audio if you feel more confident. Um, but these are all ways of making sure that your learning is rich and that your learning is deep as well. To go back to the football analogy, they say that um, a footballer's brains is, is in, in his feet, you know, mm -hmm. and, and in a way that's very true. And it's the same thing with, um, with a language learner. Your brain is partly in your lips and your tongue and your mouth. And it's really important to, to use those muscles and to use those neural networks in order to create learning and to improve, improve performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So, th so these are a couple of examples of, of the practice chapters uh, where you're, maybe mm -hmm. you're still at home, you're still uh, not ready to, <laughs> to uh, go out and perform and speak English freely. But once you've got some good practice, mm -hmm. then you really need to immerse yourself in the language. And so in the book as well, I talk about some creative ways to apply what you practice, okay, in real life situations. So it could be meeting with native speakers in your city. It could be organizing maybe a meetup with other English learners. Mm -hmm. It could be even traveling to a, um, to, uh, to London or to New York or to another English-speaking city to really have an opportunity to speak English in the wild, as it were. To be Im immersed in the environment and... Uh... Absolutely, absolutely. And I explain in the book that immersed doesn't mean simply being in London or being in, in Edinburgh or in New York or in Washington, D.C. It means interacting with people, it means being in contact with people, mm -hmm. it means being in difficult situations as well, you know, challenging yourself to communicate, to relate, to express yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that for the purpose of uh, writing the book, you interviewed several people, people sure. with, yeah, who have some experience in learning or teaching English maybe. Is there anything you have learned from these people about English learning? Uh, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot during, while I was writing the book and, and certainly while I was um, interviewing other teachers, other bloggers about English learning. 
there are lots of lots and lots of things. Oh, for example, there's a there's a guy called Giuseppe who teaches um, English on YouTube, and he's very interested in identities, for mm -hmm. example. And I found this very interesting that in order to speak English well, he believes, and I think it's absolutely convincing, you not only have to engage in the technical aspect of, 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 of learning new words and new phrases, which is something I'm very interested in, but you also in some way need to take on the identity and the culture of an English speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a very, a very powerful idea. Uh, in other words, don't just speak English, but drink tea as well. You can drink a good cup of tea to uh, milk, put it right? in a slightly comic way. Yeah. Another piece of advice which comes to, to mind, uh, another Italian guy called Claudio, who, has a, uh, who develops an app called Blue Blue. Mm -hmm. And um, we talked about this earlier. His, um, his advice was really consistency. So a magic ingredient is getting up every day and doing something, not letting days and weeks and mon months pass by. And if they do, you simply have to wake up and be determined to get back into the good habit of learning every single day. Because, as I've said before, learning English is about building up all sorts of skills and ingredients and muscles. And you can only do that gradually with constant effort. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that, that stuck out as, as great advice. Dedicating, for example, one hour a day to practice. Sure. Yeah. Even if it's 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, the important thing is to insert to introduce that daily habit into your repertoire of habits. You know, you have the habit of cleaning your teeth, of going to the bar for your coffee, of going to the gym, whatever it is, whatever you do daily, learning English, practicing English, speaking English has to in some way be part of that um, repertoire of, of daily habits. Yeah, I agree. And it's great when we can um, somehow connected with a fun activity, like you mentioned, for example, watching movies in English and, you know. Yes, absolutely. You know, start with something which is fun. Start with something which comes easily. Start with something which fits in with your life. If you never watch television because you don't like television, there's, there's no point in thinking that you're going to have success through that. You know, if you spend five hours a day in your car, because you're a salesman, well, try a podcast, yeah. you know. If you love reading, try a book, you know. Right. Many people ask me on the one single question. It's like a problem of everyone. Everyone is struggling with. <laughs> people have problems with remembering vocabulary. Um, mm, mm. They write me emails like, for example, Ivan, uh, how should I learn English vocabulary and not forget the new words? Do you have any suggestion to English learners? Because it seems like a really huge problem everyone is experiencing. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is another chapter of the book, actually, in the, in the practice uh, section. And I, I know it's a big problem. Again, here, there's not a, a simple solution. 
I'm a fan of uh, spaced uh, repetition. I'm sure you're familiar with, with, with this idea. No, I'm not. Uh, spaced repetition. Ah, it's spaced repetition. So the, the but this is the this is the fancy term for something which I'm sure I'm sure you you've heard of. So this is basically the idea that in order to learn words, at least in the beginning, is to um, let's say write them down on a flashcard. Okay, so you've got a, a classic flashcard, a piece of paper, and on one side you write the word in in English. And on the other side, you write maybe the translation in your own language, or you draw a picture, or you write a definition, mm -hmm. or you write a phrase in English with the, the target word missing, the, the word you want to, to learn missing. Okay? Mm -hmm. Anything that makes you think of that word. Okay, so you've got two sides. And um, with this um, flashcard, again, you have to turn it into an active, expressive activity. So that means looking at the clue or the definition or the picture. Uh, so let's say it's a picture of a, of a fish, a very simple example, okay, because you can't remember the word fish. Okay, very easy example. So you look at the picture of the, of the fish and you say out loud, must be out loud, you say fish. Or maybe you don't because you've got bad memory and you say, oh yeah, what is it? It's that thing, it's a thingy which, um, it's a, what is it? Pish, is it? Tish, is it? Okay, okay, and this is one, one item. The idea is that you have lots of flashcards, obviously, with lots of words and lots of phrases, and that often, hopefully more than once a day, you will be looking through these flashcards and trying to remember and use to say out loud all of these words. So this is the, the beginning. Spaced repetition is a way of helping you to really consolidate the memory. So at first, you want to review these words once a day, even more than that. But as you become more familiar with these words, as you are able to remember them and to say them, that repetition will become less frequent. So the idea is you move the flashcards gradually between different stages. I use envelopes. So just normal paper envelopes, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and you can have, you can decide on your own system, but something like as much as possible is your first stage. So several times a day. Then you can reduce to once a day, then maybe three times a week, then maybe twice a week, once a week, twice a month, once a month, and so on. Mm -hmm. So you might have seven or eight different envelopes. And every time you successfully perform on the word, you move it to the next envelope, wow. okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you repeat a word and um, if you review a word and you are not successful, then it gets moved back an envelope to a more intense, more frequent stage. Mm -hmm, okay. And so obviously easy words like fish, and apple and cat and dog, normally they will progress more quickly through the stages. Strange words and strange um, phrases, which are more difficult because they're less frequent or simply because they're, they're trickier, they're more difficult to remember, they will progress more slowly. And this system, I believe, is much, much better than a list. Often students will have 
an exercise book and they will write down words in their exercise book. The problem with an exercise book is that it doesn't allow words to travel at different speeds, to mm. be memorized at different speeds. And really, it doesn't allow you to perform that verbal behavior of looking at the picture or the word in your language or the definition on one side of the card, trying to say the word out loud, and then checking by turning over the card. When you have a list of words in an exercise book, you can stare at it, you can look at it for hours, but you, you won't be doing anything. There won't be any active um, consolidation or digestion mm -hmm. or internalization of, of, of that word. That's the, that's the, is that a clear explanation or is that yeah, confusing? Yeah. yeah, I understand. Uh, so it means, for example, <laughs> that each envelope represents how the word is in uh, the long-term memory, yeah? That each envelope has a different uh, like stage in my memory. Exactly. Let's say every envelope has a different instruction written on it. One says, repeat these words as much as possible. Another says, repeat once a day. Another says, repeat uh, twice a week, let's say. And of course, on the envelopes, if it helps, you can write the dates, okay, mm -hmm. that you will have to um, um, repeat them, or you can put them on your Google Calendar or your Apple Calendar or, or whatever you use. Um, so you really are reminded to regularly um, repeat those words. So this is really one half. The other half of the equation is really simpler, and that is you can have the best system of spaced repetition in the world, okay? But if you are not using those words in context, in real conversations and real communication with real people, frankly, then you will, you will forget them. Yeah. You will forget them. Or you'll remember them, but the meaning won't be fine-tuned. The meaning will be, especially of more complicated phrasal verbs and idioms, the meaning will be a little bit unclear in your head unless you use it in real conversation, real communication. Thank you very much. Uh, I've never heard of this approach. Okay. It's often used, this spaced repetition, which is the technical term, that this principle is often used in these mobile applications you, you, you find, so Android apps and iPhone apps. They will represent... The, the, the quiz questions, for example, according to a schedule. And this schedule is, is, is based on this idea of spaced repetition. Thank you very much. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> and uh, what would be the number one tip you would give to English learners around the world? I know it, it might be a tough question because, yeah. you know, but if there was only one tip you could give English learners, what would that be? Sure, sure. It's very difficult to limit it to one, um, one tip. But I think if I had to give just one, I would say have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Oh, great. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe it's easier said than done. But yeah. you know, one of the things we try to do in our English lessons with Moxon English more than anything, maybe even more than speaking, maybe more importantly, is putting the person at ease, making the person feel happy 
and comfortable with speaking English. You know, and it's not easy because there's that challenge of anxiety and fear, but that really is is the number one piece of advice. Take pleasure in it, enjoy it, relax, and uh, and do your best. Thank you very much, Jeremy. And where can people learn more about you and about your work and the? Uh... So, so people can find more about the Moxon English project at moxonenglish.com. So that's M-O-X-O-N English.com. Yeah, there's a there's an English and an Italian version of of the website. Okay. Is there anything you would like to add to our interview, and would you like to you know share something more? Um, no, I think that pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I've 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 spoken a lot. I think about uh, about all sorts of things, and you've been very kind in uh, in in listening and and letting me share my ideas with your your audience. So, apart from thanking you, uh, there's nothing else really that I I want to add. Yeah, great. So I think we can wrap it up here. And thank you very much for your valuable English tips and ideas, and and of course your time, Jeremy. I appreciate it a lot and uh, I believe our listeners not just enjoyed our conversation but uh, I hope they also learned many useful tips and uh, tips they can apply in their English learning. So thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you, Ivan. All right, so that was Jeremy. It was the first interview with someone who has experience in teaching English and I didn't know what to expect before. I'm so happy Jeremy joined the interview and shared his wonderful tips and ideas. I learned so much today. Thank you, Jeremy. And also thank you to all of you who listened to the show. Have a great week, my friends. Enjoy your life and enjoy English. See you soon in the next episode. Bye-bye.